0: welcome back to the 7 p.m cafe podcast today we are back with the mini series circus this is the last episode and i brought you one of the members of the band cole aka yeah boy cole and we're gonna have the perspective of someone that works in the band and he also worked in the circus in other seasons so he tells us about that he's been in the industry in the music industry for a long time so he tells us about the experience of being in bands in three bands and he talks about his current projects he has his own podcast that you should listen to aggressive kindness and in his solo music go grab your coffee your tea your favorite drink and listen Welcome to the 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. Today, our guest is Cole. You say your name. I like your name. The artistic yeah, boy, name. Cole. Yeah, boy,
1: Cole. Yeah. <laughs> Where you got that? That's just me. You know, since I was a kid, every time I got excited, I would say, yeah, boy. You know, and uh, as I went along, people started calling me, yeah, boy. And then it just, it just morphed into, yeah, boy, Cole. Yeah.
0: Nice. Welcome. This is the last episode of my mini-series for the circus. So welcome. Ooh, yeah, let's go circus <laughs> love. We uh, met working at the circus, uh, the Big Apple Circus here in New York City at Lincoln Center. You have been in the circus, in the arts, in music for a long time. You have your own music, your own podcast. But before we talk about your current projects, let's go back to the beginning. How did you start in music?
1: When I was two years old, I got a in, in diapers. I got a drum set for like for the holidays right i i don't call it christmas i call it existmas uh so i got a drum set for existmas and um and yeah i i just loved making noise from the first minute i was alive i was always playing those drums and singing and you know singing pop songs i think i sang like cindy Lauper, girls just want to have fun when i was two and and that that uh that sort of came natural to me and then when i was about six I started playing uh, classical piano and I didn't I didn't know that I loved it, but I just loved hearing things. I loved making sound and uh, and I got really good and I was competing in like classical competitions on piano um, and learn, you know, I played from memory. So if I heard something, I could I could automatically, you know, play it pretty quickly, um, which I'm grateful for, because that means you're using your ears and not your brain. And then uh, a crazy thing happened when I was like 11, a friend from school, random, super random, called me on the phone and said, hey, Cole, uh, my friend's starting a band. You play bass, right? They need a bass player. And I had never seen a bass. I didn't know what a bass was. I was this little nerd, like practicing classical piano. But I was like, wow, being in a band sounds fucking cool. So I lied. I told the biggest lie, most important lie of my life. And I said, yes. When's band practice. And so in the next week, I managed to like sell like, I sold like a crossbow and this little phone that made bomb noises and bought this cheapest bass I could find. And I showed up at band practice and I didn't even know how to hold it. I didn't have a strap. I put it like flat on my lap. And luckily the kids I was playing with in the band, like they were sweet people and they knew I couldn't play and I'd never even like picked it up. And so the guitar player who was super hip, he was already into Janis Joplin and Led Zeppelin. And when he was like 11, he had all these Stevie Ray Vaughan licks. He came behind me and he like just picked up my finger and just moved it around to be able to play a blues. And my ears knew a blues, but I didn't know how to do it. And yeah, so by the end of that band practice, I could play a blues with these great musicians when, you know, 11 year olds and we're playing like classic rock and uh soul and funk and, and uh yeah they never kicked me out of the band and and i i got tremendously better tremendously quickly and uh that's how i started in rock and roll and in playing bass and that's sort of defined my whole life's adventure that that one lie
0: so you remember your first performance with an audience
1: yeah. my first performance was my first band this band i told you about we were called fish nipple and uh we got a gig somehow in the town I grew up in, in Richmond, Virginia. And we had a cool music scene. Like, that's where Guar is from. That's where Keepone is from. So much punk and jazz and hardcore music is, is from uh, my area. So we got a, a gig at this shitty but cool club called Twisters. And I wore, I remember I wore my mom's my mom used to work at 7-eleven and so I wore her 7-eleven uniform shirt with all like the little 7-eleven logos on it yeah and we sucked but we didn't know we sucked we we thought we were the best and that's that's how every musician should feel you know uh we felt like we were playing Madison Square Garden you know at that first show and and then I would went go on to play Madison Square Garden like 10 times in my life so you know you have to believe that first show is like your first taste of the magic and the the rush of uh performing, you know. And I'm addicted to it. That's my drug, is performing, you know.
0: Well, let's move on before we continue about music. Let's talk a little bit about the circus since we met at the circus. Yeah. You work at the circus before this season, right?
1: So, let me tell you my circus story. I was uh I was finishing uh, I studied at Berklee College of Music in Boston. I was studying jazz there, and I graduated, which not many people do. It's a really good music school, and I had no idea what the fuck I was gonna do with my life. But a week before I graduated, I got this call, random call, and it said, "Like, do you want to come play the circus? This uh, this bass player needs a sub for the circus." And uh, I was like, "Yeah, like I need something, anything." So I show up. I show up at this apart, weird apartment in Boston. And this dude hands me this book that's like, you know, four inches thick. It's like a hundred different charts and they're so complex. But I was a music school nerd. So I was like, fuck it, let's go. Like, let's dive in. And I learned it front to back, upside down. I knew every possible, you know, I prepared. So I went to play the first show in the blue tent that we met in, literally. And this is when I was like 20 years old which was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, I showed up and everyone, I, I looked like I was about 13 years old. Like I look like Screech from Saved by the Bell. Literally, no joke. I weighed like, like 80 pounds and I'm 20 years old. I look like a boy. So I walk up on this bandstand with a bunch of like really amazing jazz musicians and Broadway musicians. And, you know, we had a bigger band back then. And uh, everyone was like, and they're much older than me. And everyone was like, Oh no, like this child is gonna train wreck our circus. Like, there's no way he's gonna be able to do this. Cause the circus is a different animal. I've seen the greatest musicians and, you know, like really, really famous musicians show up at the circus and have no idea what's going on. Cause it happens so fast, it's so unpredictable. So, anyway, long story short, I showed up. Everyone thought I was gonna suck and train wreck the show. And I like played the perfect show. And I rocked and like, you know, I kept up with everyone and I, I boosted the energy level. And a day later, I was offered the gig and, and told to move to New York City with that blue tent with the Big Apple Circus. And that changed my life forever. That brought me to New York City. And in New York City is where I, you know, went on to start uh, my rock and roll band and uh, and my jazz groups and everything. So the, the circus truly, I truly ran away with the circus and it was the best decision I ever made. And uh, I played like, I did like six or seven seasons straight with the circus. And then my band, uh, you know, blew up enough to take me on the road. And, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I was, I was in that blue tent like for seven seasons straight, you know, 300 shows a year. And it, I really grew up in, in, in that blue tent. And it's, it's just a different world. It's, it's a different way of, of viewing family and the arts and community and uh expression and actually giving something to uplift people to make people believe in magic you know and wonder and that's what the circus does i don't see it as a novelty i think uh calling someone a clown is a compliment you know so uh circus raised me absolutely
0: did you find a difference working this season with the pandemic
1: you know there's a huge difference in, in really everything. Going out to get your morning coffee, walking your dog, trying to see friends, trying to do anything. It's so different, but I'm just a big believer in people's ability to adapt. And uh, I tried to I always try to like have the least marks on me from any experience possible. So the fact that the circus was even able to exist And the fact that we were the only show that didn't miss one performance, I mean, come on, that's gangster. That's so, that's, I'm so grateful for that. And I know that, and I'm so impressed and happy uh, for everyone involved in this season that, uh, that we were all able to make it through and, you know, pick up slack and help each other out. And, you know, I was a very small part of that, but, um, you know, it was, it was uh, incredible to watch everyone Uh, band together and and just commit to like not giving up and and keeping the show rolling yeah last show standing right (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) yeah I was impressed too one question since you work other seasons I worked the season before the circus before the pandemic we were able to see the band this season we were not for those people that didn't go to the show did you have that experience before not being able to see the audience. No, this
1: was the this was the first season ever where uh, the band wasn't visible, and and for me, selfishly, one of the greatest joys of of performing in the circus is watching people enjoy it. So that's the thing I missed the most. It wasn't being seen. It was watching the families and the kids and the celebrities and and everyone who comes like experience that because you know. If you work at the circus, you know how wonderful and, and like different our world is, and seeing it affect people is the is the beauty and the joy of it. So I really missed watching people experience it, and, and obviously watching the acts, I could see them on TV, but it's so much different when you can you know you see you see a trapeze artist or a high wire artist up in the air, and you can hear their their, their breathing and their the clothes moving and everything and yeah we were we saw less than the audience did you know we we were our sensor our uh, senses were muffled up there but but that's okay because the goal is the best show possible and I think the that this year the video screens were really impactful so selfishly I wish I got to witness everything but it was cool it was cool yeah
0: I think I missed that part too like I lot that for last season um. I understand the video. I think it sucks too. <laughs> at least like, I like that you guys like came at the end so people could see. Cause I feel like they also miss out that we had a bond live. And like yeah. when you guys came on stage that it was like, okay, we do have a band. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, Johnny Rocket came up uh, after the last show and he was like, man, we got to move these video screens like off to the side, like a jumbotron, right? Like at a, like at a concert so that the bands, and I think that's a great idea actually. So I'm sure they'll adapt it in the future you know i'm just grateful there there is a future <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so let's move on from the circus
1: mm-hmm.
0: talk about you were part of two bands i mean you said a lot of bands do you know how many bands do you keep count um,
1: my way in life is like i'm not one of those musicians that just does a bunch of gigs like i'm not sort of like a you know a session musician or a sideman like if i'm doing whether it's the circus or my new band it's it's my life you know i put everything into it i risk everything i give everything um, possible so yeah i've had probably let's see excluding like my solo which is like the rest of my life now me as a solo artist i've had like 3 3 really important bands that formed me um the first one was called hint which was like with a a really famous jazz brilliant genius jazz drummer named Mark Juliana. And right when I got to New York, uh, we started that band and it was like kind of rock and roll jazz, you know, really wild improvisations and, and super funky, un, un, uh, unconventional uh, beats. So yeah, that was that was a, a big formative um, experience for me. And then, uh, you know, while I was playing the circus, I started a, band, a rock and roll band a really nasty, sexy rock and roll band uh, called Semi Precious Weapons with uh, some of my best friends from music school. And that's the band that took me around the world for the first time. You know, uh, we got big in New York and um, Lady Gaga was one of our biggest fans here. She was just a girl named Stephanie. And uh, eventually she started opening up for us here in New York. And wow. then she disappeared and blew up. But we were her favorite band. We were like her idols. So when she was super famous, she was like, well, I want my favorite band on tour with me. So she brought us uh, out to tour with her. So the whole two year, her tour of the Monster Ball, it was just us and her around the world, stadiums and arenas and the wildest times ever. Um, So that was, you know, being in Semi Precious Weapons. We were a band for almost 10 years and it was like the wildest, craziest experience you could ever imagine. In good ways and in bad, but we, we were awesome. We were like a real, real rock and roll band, sort of at the era where rock and roll bands kind of went away. You know, we were one of the last bands to ever like literally live in a famous iconic studio and record a, a real album uh, with a famous producer for like months. You know, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, so I'm really grateful we we snuck in at, right at the end of sort of the old the old school rock and roll way of making a record and and touring, you know. Um, and then after that, uh, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do with my life. I never thought that band would be over. And uh, I was I was really desolate, you know, like I made five dollars a week playing like punk surf covers in a in sort of a burlesque bar in East East, East uh, Hollywood and uh some some thing opened up in the sky and and uh i got an opportunity to meet some new people and we started a band called dnce and in two months we had a number one hit around the world on the radio so that band got bigger than than uh semi-precious weapons ever was and you know with that band i um i got to accomplish so many dreams i have a you can see it in the background. I have a Moon Man. We won Best New Artist at MTV VMAs, um, which is a dream. You know, I watched Nirvana win that when I was a kid. Um, I'm not comparing us to Nirvana in any way, but uh, you know, I got to I got to live a lot of my rock star dreams with that, that band and play every TV show and and you know and every uh, around the world stadiums, football stadiums in Mexico and in South America. You know. Meet the royal family, uh, meet everyone. So many of my heroes. Play Madison Square Garden so many times. Like all all the shit you want to do when you're a kid and you have rock and roll posters on your wall. I got to do it all, and I loved it. And I really, really um, took advantage of the experience to learn more about myself, learn about life, and rock as hard as I possibly could, live as fast as I could, um, which was a little too fast. <laughs> I, I came to realize, but you know, it was an amazing experience. Uh, I couldn't, I wouldn't trade that for the world. And it also led me to my life now, which is, you know, we'll talk about that later, but it led me to who I really am and why I really am on this planet. And it wasn't anything I was doing before, you know?
0: You would say those experiences with the bands shape you as the artist you are today.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I view life as, you know, one big adventure, right? And as soon as you know, As soon as you think you know what's gonna happen, guess what, it's gonna be the exact opposite, right? As soon as you think you're down and out and there's no hope, you have the best period of your life. As soon as you think you're untouchable and invincible, something breaks you down. And it's just about being in a band or being a musician or a performer, an artist, a creator. We're so much closer to the source of life I believe we feel the emotions and the truth and the pain and the joy the highs and lows so much more than than you know most people do and and I'm grateful for that and those uh those adventures and emotional ups and downs and spiritual awakenings that I've had by traveling the world and uh meeting so many people and affecting so many people and, and exchanging energy. Yeah, that that's shaped me and, and really told me what, why I'm on earth and what I love about being alive and what I can do to help others. And that's truly why I'm here. I just wanna spread love and energy and positivity and awareness and and figure out, you know, use my all my experiences to like, help other people live their dreams and not make the same mistakes I did. And maybe even like give people new ways to think about their life uh, that makes it more abundant and more soulful and, 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 uh, and healthier mentally, you know? Yeah. And that all came from just living fast and making every mistake you could possibly make, you know?
0: Uh, let's move on from the bands. And what you were doing in 2019 before coverheads.
1: hits? So... And I'm very grateful for this, that I'm I was healthy and that, you know, my life didn't change at all. I was I was making my album Antibody Super Soul, which is uh, out now. Go check it out. I was making that alone in my room, in my studio already for like a year. So I didn't nothing changed. The only thing that changed is I didn't go to the coffee shop in the morning and then come back to my studio and work 12 hours straight and then go to sleep and repeat that. So I, I was lucky that I was in a creation period and I create everything alone um, because that's my way. I'm an only child. I've always, my, my safe place is in a room alone creating whatever my mind and heart can dream of, you know? Um, so I was doing that. I'm grateful that I didn't, you know, I w- didn't have a tour planned. So many people had tours planned. College, uh, school, their biggest dream was about to happen. And obviously, anyone who's alive is, is lucky, you know, so I, I was grateful of where I was in life and and I used it to the fullest. I used it to make some art that I really thought um, would touch a lot of people and, and help people and uh, heal myself as well.
0: So now that we're talking about your current projects, let's talk about your podcast, Aggressive Kindness. How did it start and when did it start?
1: so aggressive kindness began in my own head about four years ago i was having i was going through a really 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 hard time of sort of self-awakening but also like losing a lot of friends having a lot of betrayals happen to me a lot of endings that hurt me deeply and i knew i knew that if I didn't change something or create something to help myself, that I could really spiral to a scary place. You know, I had a, a a period where I didn't know if I wanted to even be here anymore, you know, on earth. And that terrified me to the point of like, like a, a epiphany. And I thought, wow, if I feel so much pain, if I feel so bad that I don't know if I want to be here anymore, then what's what's the worst thing that can happen if I follow my dreams, if I try to live my absolute dream life, if I try to become the superhero I've always felt inside I wanted to be that I could be, why am I doing anything that I don't want to do ever? The worst thing that can happen is I feel exactly how I do right now, which is as bad as you can feel, you know? So I changed everything and immediately I felt peace, I felt happiness and I had a mission and it was to... Via yeah Boy Cole, it was to make music and visual art and and uh, share share this system I created for myself based on that one moment. I created Aggressive Kindness. It's a system of like re rethinking how you look at life, all your perceptions. It's it's a system of for my own mental health of like prioritizing why each of us are here, and I realized everyone is is just literally an infinitely unique masterpiece i am you are everyone on earth is there's no two are alike everyone's mind body and soul are infinitely unique masterpieces and we are put here to fill a puzzle piece of the universe and give our own magic and express ourselves in in a way only we can right so any time any moment where we're not being our true self and expressing ourselves and creating in our own way is a wasted moment. So I devoted my life to creating that system and in, and it worked so well for me. I overcame like severe anxiety and depression and and started to be the artist I knew I could be and the person I knew I could be and And the mentor or the guru or the philosopher or whatever you want to call me, I know that's my purpose is to to help others, inspire others to get their dreams, to be their ultimate self. So aggressive kindness started as me healing myself. And then it turned into me needing to share what worked, like the first thing that ever worked. So I began to do live streams on Twitch um, called aggressive kindness. And... Basically, it's what we're doing right now. I would I would turn on my camera and I would just think out loud and share thoughts on like the different areas of life and and uh, tricks and tools and meditations and you know life hacks and and uh, affirmations, manifestations, just different ways to like look at life, make it better, live it more soulfully and 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 fearlessly. And uh, at some point. I was doing those live streams for like maybe a couple months, six months, maybe. And I knew that to reach more people and help more people, I had to like do it in a more digestible, curated, organized way. And that's when the podcast started. And that's when I really, um, you know, took all my notes and all my wild ramblings from, from the live stream and sort of organized them into like episodes. And uh, yeah, and I live in a recording studio, so it was it was really a, a smooth transition. And I get messages every week from people saying, like, literally, this this one thing opened me up and changed my life. And I left my abusive partner, or I started creating again. I started painting again. I moved to a city that um, is better for me, you know. Um, I reconnect w- with my parents or I left my parents because they didn't understand me. You know, so it's 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 affecting people. It's changing people's lives for the better. And that's like literally the greatest thing I could ever imagine. And uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's my favorite thing to do. So that's what aggressive kindness is. It's me sharing my system with the world. And if people if people I dare people to just listen to one or two episodes and see how it can unlock, you know, how you look at your life and your, your, your purpose here.
0: You kind of answer, but like, what is the purpose you want to achieve with the podcast?
1: The purpose I want to achieve with aggressive kindness is challenging the ways that we think we're supposed to act, feel, create, heal, challenging all the, the bullshit, getting rid of all the bullshit, getting rid of the boundaries that tell us we're not good enough that we don't belong somewhere that we can't make what we want to make be who we want to be, I challenge all that. And ultimately, it's tapping the world on the shoulder and saying, you have no idea, the peace that in freedom that can come from you actually being the dream you and sometimes being the dream you can put you in a really scary life situation, right? Like it can put you in a place where you don't have any money or you have to move somewhere else or, you know, but the piece of aligning with your authentic essence, your your soul, your body and your mind, like accepting them and loving them, finding that self-love of like who you actually are instead of trying to change yourself for others or trying to convince yourself that you're not good enough or, you know, it's it's tapping the world on the shoulder and saying, just try to be exactly who you want to be and love yourself and watch everything change and watch all your dreams come to you and watch, you know, the highway be cleared. Because when we are truly ourselves, it resonates with the universe for the first time. And if we're living any sort of lie, big or small, if we're with a partner we're not supposed to be with if we're doing a job that squashes our talents and our passions or uses them exploits them if we're you know not living our our gender or our sexual truth if we're you know hiding anything the universe knows and that's why uh blockages and barriers and roadblocks and adversity you know happens to us is because Maybe we're not being honest with ourselves. And as soon as we are, as soon as we can find that truth and, and reflect on like what we really are and what we're, what our purpose is here. And then just devote all of our energy into being the ultimate us rather than all the things we want from life. You'll never get anything from a lie that's meant for you, you know? So that's what my, that's the purpose of my podcast. That's the purpose of aggressive kindness. Yeah, it's aggressive kindness. It's like, fuck the bullshit, you be you to the ultimate because no one else can be you. And so it's your it's your cosmic responsibility. And anyone that has a problem with you doing that is supposed to go away, you know? They're weakening you. Anything that you have to leave to be the ultimate you, it was weakening you. That's my message.
0: So well, let's talk about your music now. You're doing your own music. You started before the pandemic. Talk about uh, your music, because it's very visual.
1: Ah, thank you. Yeah, my music is, uh, you know, my music comes to me. and, And people don't believe me when I say this, but all I think about all day long, every day, is what I just said to you, like the principles of aggressive kindness, the what it is to be alive, how our how our mind, body and soul communicate how we move through this world, what our purpose is, what our dreams mean, how we can get them. And and that's what my music's about. And I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and I'll have an entire song with the extreme arrangement and the the lyrics and everything in my head. And I have to run to the studio and try to like get it down as soon as possible before it disappears. And that's how my album, Antibody Super Soul, was made. It was me trying to catch up with these downloads from the universe that were coming through me and also learning how to, you know, to make them world class, to to do all the roles because I produce everything, I mix everything, I perform everything, I play all the instruments, I sing, so I write everything. So um, it's a lot of hats that, you know, the biggest artists in the world, they don't, do everything like that. But I want to be one of the biggest artists in the world. And I believe I can be. And I I just know that the purity of when it comes straight out of me and I have my hands and my my love on everything, that's going to be the best result. So uh, yeah, my album, Antibody Super Soul is a bunch of songs about the exploration through the mind, body and soul and how they work together and how they conflict and, uh, and sort of how they, translate to our place in the world and our in our dreams and our purpose uh of existing yeah
0: do you see yourself touring with the your music
1: oh i cannot wait to tour as yaboy cole and have my super wild performance art and in visuals and uh yeah you know if you watch if you watch my music videos you see that everything's connected and the messages are are translated i don't see it as you know, I see art as art and it's all one thing to me. And and I need to express myself visually and, and through music and, and through just the words, just the messages And any, I don't care if you hate my music, but you hear the message. Good. You know, I just, I need to like, I know my purpose is to dream of something, get inspired and make it. I don't think about what people will think about it. I don't think about the outcome of money or fame. I just make it and hope and, and put it out. And, uh, I cannot wait to get out and tour and be able to like exchange energies. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm a wild, I'm a wild boy. So being on the road is my sweet zone. It's my, it's when I'm at my best, you know, it's when I feel most like me. I had to work really hard to learn to be at home and calm sometimes. And you know, be a normal citizen of the world. But I, yes, I'm gonna tour as soon as I possibly can. Um, it's complicated right now, as you know. Um, and I'm an independent artist, which makes it triple, well, a hundred times more complicated. But I will do it, and I will be on stage um, in the next year for sure.
0: So I have some rapid question for you about rapid, the internet. Right. Yeah. So how do you feel the internet has impacted the music business?
1: Wow, the internet. It's killed it and brought it back to life as a different thing, you know? It doesn't help the artists at all survive, but um, the amount of people that can hear your music is so much greater now because it's a level playing field. So if you're a kid in your bedroom or your puff daddy, technically you're on the same platform, right? And your album cover looks the same and the music plays, you know, the same. Uh, so. I don't know. I'm a big believer in adapt or die. The world's going to do what it does. Business is going to do what it does. As long as you're making the art for with a good intention and the right reason and uh a pure authentic, you know, spirit, then uh you just have to mold that to what the world is right now and right now it's streaming on the internet, you know.
0: Biggest mistake gave you the biggest lesson so far.
1: Giving my passion, talents, and personality away for something that didn't deserve it taught me a big lesson.
0: If you have people, your fans, remember one thing about you, what would it be?
1: That he was here to help.
0: What's the best ab- advice you ever got?
1: Hmm. Back to aggressive kindness. The best advice I ever got was from myself. And it was, you are an infinitely unique masterpiece. And you are the only you that will ever exist which makes you a genius. You're the genius of you. So fucking do it. That's yeah. I gave it to myself. (laughs) All the other advice I ever got was like, get a job or cut your hair.
0: (laughs) Favorite city or venue you perform?
1: Oh, I have to say uh, Estadio de Football in Mexico City and Madison Square Garden is pretty awesome. Just how it feels, you know. What is
0: it about music that makes you feel passionate?
1: I can't even explain it. You know music is something that you can hear, but it's vibrations. You can feel it, and it resonates deeper. you don't you don't need to understand the words. you don't need to know what's going on. It's like the most primal expression, I think, for the senses. So it just it's my life's love. It's the love of my life. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you wanna
0: share your social media so people can follow you?
1: So yeah, my social media is at Yaboy yeah Cole. Boys with three eyes. So Y-E-A-H B O I I I C O L E. Yeah Cole. And if you want to send me some crypto, it's yeah And uh yeah, please listen to aggressive kindness and listen to my album, Antibody Super Soul. It's on all platforms. I'm super proud of what i'm making and there's some wild oh and watch all my music videos because they're they will melt your mind they're all on youtube on my channel and uh, i have some wild things to release very soon that you know will continue to melt people's minds i hope more and more people so spread the word i appreciate you
0: thank you thank you for your time
1: thank you so much lucy i had a blast keep keep rocking